Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. All right, folks, welcome to the Luxury Listing Podcast. My name is Michael Lafito, founder of the Luxury Listing Specialist Certification for Agents. And we have on this week's podcast, Patrick Lilly. Patrick, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what it is you do and, and yourself. Uh, thanks, Michael, for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I sell real estate in New York City, in Manhattan and uh, Brooklyn, and I've been selling for 32 years now. I've sold over well over a thousand homes and well over a billion dollars worth of real estate. Um, I wasn't always in the luxury end of the business. Um, that has come about uh, more recently, and that might be something that we talk about today is about how do you go from being a non-luxury broker to a luxury broker? Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a common question I get when I speak and train on national stages. And I do believe sometimes it's a, a limiting belief uh, to many agents as far as, you know, how do I make that transition from, you know, entry level to, you know, step up, you know, properties to higher end to, to luxury. And, and there is a calculated difference in each of those price points, depending on each each area. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe talk about that's a good transition, and uh, perhaps share with uh, the listeners how you made that transition, and and how did it occur, and when did it occur, and if you have any tips or listeners, because again, this you know this interview series, we're we're helping agents that are either in the luxury space or looking to differentiate themselves and. And, and break into or dominate uh, by you know, marketing luxury high-end homes? Um, happy to. So, um, I don't know, about five years ago, I decided that I really wanted to make the same amount of money that I was currently making, but I didn't want to work as hard. So I was trying to figure out ways to, to increase my profit and decrease the amount of hours that I was putting in. And it came clear to me that you know, uh, one $10 million deal is worth 10 $1 million deals, and they're no harder and no easier. So what does what would it take for me to go to raise my average price point? So at the time, my average price point was about a million two, okay. which for many of your listeners probably is a luxury amount, but in New York City, it really isn't. And since I've made this change, my average price point is well over 2.5 million now. So I've over doubled oh, it. Yeah. Um, which is which is substantial. And um, there's been several things that have led to that. Number one was um, I really started focusing on expired listings that were luxury expired listings. And the nice thing about focusing on uh, luxury expired listing is you just get to put in a bottom number that you're not going to pitch that's underneath that number, which will automatically, if you land one listing, will raise your average price point from whatever your old price point was. So originally, um, my bottom line that I put in was $3 million. I wasn't going to pitch an expired unless it was $3 million or higher. And since, you know, we've had success with that program, I've now moved it up to the bottom expired that I'm going to call as $5 million. 
because I'm still going to get, you know, past sales from my sphere of, you know, 500,000, a million, a million five. But in order to really up my game, I'm really, I focused on going after expired. And once you create a scenario, you put together a really good expired program for the luxury market, um, and you have a track record. So one of the things that I've done really well is when, when I've been the second broker or the third broker on a listing on a townhouse in New York City, I have a 100% success record. And on co-ops and condos, a 92% success record. So I'm able to use those competitive advantages for when I'm pitching those expired listings. Plus, it gives the expired sellers hope that their home can be sold if I've been able to have this track record. Yeah, that's so a, by that, the way, that's an impressive track record. By the way, those those numbers you banged out and kind of downplayed, you know, maybe out of uh, you know not wanting to brag. That that's that's really impressive, Patrick. Well, thank you. The you know, and there's several plus points to having that. So one of the problems with expires is often the listings are overpriced. It, it then allows me to say to the seller, look. Um, I understand why you want to try to maximize your dollars. I totally get it, and I appreciate it, and I would probably do the same thing if I was in your shoes. But you've tried it now once with six months with one buyer and another six months with another uh, one broker, another six months with another broker, and it's not working. And let me tell you something. I'm really proud of this 100% success record I have with selling townhouses, um, and I – that gives people a lot of faith in me by having that. And I understand you want me to try this number too. I'm just telling you why I can't do it because that number, if I don't sell it, then that number goes down and I won't be able to provide the hope for other expired townhouse sellers like I can provide to you right now. So what I want to say up front is if you want to try it again at that number, I'm not the guy for you. Um, I totally understand it and I appreciate it. No hard feelings. But if we, if we want to get realistic about numbers and you really do want to move forward, and, and I would have already talked about what their goals are and why they were selling already, so we would have already covered that. If you really want to move forward so you can get get to, to Santa Fe where you really want to have the quality of life that you want to have or you want to downsize or whatever it is, then, then let's, let's take the steps that are necessary. If not, totally no hard feelings and let's move on. So I like that. So you dig a little bit deeper, you figure out what their why, what their motivation is, and you incorporate that into your presentation. You bring it back to them. Yeah. So that was the first step in moving things forward was in the luxury market was simply just going after um, higher price listings, double my, what I normally would have for the minimum that I would even try to get. So once you just land a couple of those, it re raises your average price point. Um, on the sale. All right, the, so. next step, the, the next step is, and this next step is, is really important. So the highest sale I had done when I started this program was six and a half million. Again, six and a half million sounds really good, but in New York, it's just okay. And um, I got a, an expired lead that was $15 million. And I wanted that lead. The house was beautiful. And it was just something that I knew that I could sell. And I knew the mistakes that the previous broker had made when marketing it. I also knew I stood little chance of getting it because luxury brokers want to list with brokers. I mean, luxury sellers want to list with, with brokers 
who already have a track record in their price point, and I did not have it in the $15 million price point. So what I then did was to um, bring in uh, Emily Baer from my, our firm in New York, who's a really wonderful lady who I really respect and appreciate and ha who has similar core values to myself, brought her in because she sells at that price point quite frequently, and we split it 50-50. Well, we ended up doing the deal, and it's in contract and should close in a reasonable amount of time. It's been in contract for a long time, actually. And the point from this is I have gotten my first $25 million listing from that $15 million listing. I have my second $25 million listing all lined up, ready to go. And we landed a $9.4 million um, just recently also that we currently have on the market because of this of way I'm able to get other listings because now people look at me and oh this is the high end townhouse broker when just five years ago or three years ago I was not. So you know getting those under your belt, partnering with somebody who has that track record, while you may lose money in the short term, in the long term, it's really, really effective and um I think one of the smartest things I've ever done. Well, you know, I appreciate you sharing that uh, with me. And so, you know, you talked about step one, of course, going after canceled and expired. And then step two, uh, you know, if I were to kind of, would you say that's more social proof? So in other words, uh, again, sellers rarely will give you the opportunity unless you've sold similar properties. So, or would you say step two is more or less partnering up with someone that has that experience um, to get that first one underneath your belt? Is that more the lesson of step two for you? I, I would say, I'd say the partnering up so that you have the track record, which makes it easier for other people to list with you at that price point. So okay. even though I've sold quite a few at the $6 million, now that I have all these higher listings, it's so much easier now when I go on a $6 million pitch because now they see that I'm not their most expensive listing. They sign up even sooner now. Yep, yep. Good points, and and they sign up sooner, and they probably don't beat you up over your fee as much. Correct. Yeah. Now, getting back to step one, you talked about cancel and expired. If you you don't have to necessarily go into specifics, but um, are you more of a direct mail guy, door knock guy, calling? What what would you? <laughs> uh, we don't door knock in New York City. You, yeah. You, you, they'd call the police on us. So no, we don't door knock. Um, we do a combination of direct uh, direct mail and and cold calls. Okay. Um, so the the process is is we've developed quite an array of uh, mailings that are very high end and very produced, um, but answer very specific questions. So for instance, one mailing might say is the reason my home didn't sell is because it was overpriced, and then on the the back. They'll, and that'll just be in big white letters on a black background. It looks very high-end. On the back, um, it'll say, not necessarily. And then we gave a case example of how we were able to sell the home, and it wasn't reflective of the price. And so we have a whole scenario of like six different uh, things for reasons why a home didn't sell. And then we start mailing those to the expired listings that are appropriate. So if I'm looking at their marketing and I feel like it's targeted in the wrong direction, then we'll send them a mailer that talks about, you know, am I getting the right buyer in to see the property? Or if it needs to be a stage, I'll send them a staging one. So we'll, uh, if it is a price thing, then I'll, 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 I'll send a price one. And sometimes I'll send multiple ones if I'm not really sure 
why it didn't sell since I haven't been able to meet with them. Then we'll we'll sell out. We'll we'll do some um, uh, mailings about how I'm the expired listings expert, um, uh, which is an angle that nobody else in New York is taking on their mailings. So that helps to differentiate my competition. And then I have a website called the townhousespecialist.com, and then we hit them with that mailing, which again makes me come across as the expert. And then, you know, when I re then before I make the phone call, and especially if I really want the property, then I send them a, a box of customized chocolates, just four chocolates from Mary Bell, which is a high end chocolatier here in Soho in Lower Manhattan. Really, you know, some of the finest chocolates. And they put a, they do with laser printing, they do our uh, logo on top of the chocolates to send them out. And then I call them and I say, instead of just, you know, calling them out of the blue, I say, hey, this is Patrick Lloyd from Core. Did you get the chocolates I sent you? So the listing, that $15 million listing that I got that is in contract, the reason she was called left and right by everybody. The reason she, she took my call was because of those chocolates. Yeah, reciprocity. giving hand. <laughs> yeah, she said, you know, that really, that really stuck, that stuck out from the crowd. I really appreciate that. So uh, tell me, these, let's just talk. And uh, that talk turned into me realizing I needed to bring Emily in on the listening pitch with me and to share it. But that's uh, that's uh, that's our step. So it's and I found that just sending out direct mail is not effective. Just doing phone calls is better than direct mail, to be honest. But it's also not effective. You can as effective. You can combine the two. You'll be more successful. Okay. No, that's great. That's great. Um, well, so we talked about, you know, a little print, you talked about differentiation, you talked about how do you take that next step up, perhaps when, when you haven't uh, uncharted territory, so partnering up. Um, so that, that was the second step. And any other tips, suggestions to, uh, so that, that's kind of cold marketing there. Uh, perhaps um, once you get that big listing, do you want to maybe share a tip or two for those listeners, you know, that that have a high-end listing that maybe isn't selling, maybe something you've done um, strategy-wise, unconventional, conventional, perhaps, um, that is working in your marketplace? So one of the reasons I left my previous firm and joined the firm that I'm with now is because of the lack of press that was available at my previous firm and and how uh, press-centric my my new firm, Core, is, and I've been with them for like three years now, and uh, maybe even longer, I can't remember. And um, so what we, you know, luxury listings, it's so much easier to get press on luxury listings. We get press on all of our listings, not all of our listings, but the vast majority of our listings, and we do it multiple ways. Um, one, we create stories about our listing. So each time we take a listing, regardless of the price point, we've tried to figure out who is the most likely buyer, what are their demographics, and what's the emotional reason that they're buying this property? Um, uh, in the luxury market, that's very different from a lower price market because it often has nothing to do with value, and it has more to do with the emotion that's behind what the purchase is about. So we determined who, what's the unique selling point on that property, who's the most likely buyer, then we target everything towards that prospective buyer in terms of copy, in terms of video, in terms of images, so we can get that buyer in there. 
So let me give you a couple of stories on on how how creating story and going after press has worked for us. Please. Um, we um, so I, I do I do some really great property videos. We try to keep our videos under two minutes, but that's a little difficult sometimes. So we definitely keep it under two and a half minutes for each video because attention spans these days are not great. And when they go longer than two and a half minutes, people just get bored. You, you, you're not being tight enough in what you're trying to get across. And one of the best things that I've ever learned about videos is from the CEO of our company. He said, you know, a video of a luxury property should be a tease and not a tour. You're not there to show every bit and bob of the property. You're there to just entice them to, so they emotionally want to see it and nothing more than that. So um, that's why you can keep your, your videos tight. So I had a I got a listing for a townhouse in Greenwich Village that was around five and a half million. And we had taken beautiful photographs, wrote great copy, and the person who ended up buying it saw it um, online and thought, this is not the location for her. This is not what she wanted. So she passed. Then the video, it took us longer to produce the video. It came out the following week. And she saw it, and she totally fell in love with her home because we were able to provide a story about that home as she walked through it that enabled her to to imagine herself living in that home and what her quality of her life would be and how it'd be different from where she was currently living. So that video um, enticed her to see it. And the way she saw the video is that we were able to send it out to some press and they put it, we got press on it, they put the video on, she saw the, the press um, piece, and um, that's when she made the appointment to come see it. The other story with the press that's been valuable is that we had a, a property, again, in the $6 million, it was $6.5 million in Murray Hill, and um, the seller was willing to take six, but the highest offer we could get at was after four months was $5.7 million. We could not get an offer above that. We were able to land a short piece in the Wall Street Journal on the house. And the day that the Wall Street Journal article came out, we immediately sent it to the highest buyer's broker to let them know that this just appeared in the journal. And that day, they came up to $6 million because of the Wall Street Journal piece, where the third party is, is replicating it. So figuring out ways to entice the media to do an article on your property is invaluable and that could be that can be a wide range so for instance we had a little property it was a, a six hundred thousand dollar property on the upper east side and in the story because we tried to use interesting things to delineate it from others we talked about how it was on a cul-de-sac on east 72nd street now you can imagine we don't have cul-de-sacs in New York, in Manhattan, but it was a dead-end street, and technically it was a cul-de-sac. So we, that was one of the things we were talking about, how quiet and zen-like the property was. Uh, two pieces of press picked up on the cul-de-sac point, and we got the buyer and sold it through the press, and the, and the buyers um, would never have seen the property otherwise. And in fact, the property had been on the market with another broker for 10 months prior to us. We actually raised the price $15,000 and then sold it in the first month because of the press. Oh, that's awesome. So getting the press is one thing, but leveraging it and letting potential people know, potential buyers or brokers or agents that have expressed some, some interest uh, because 
uh, is it true or false? Don't you don't you believe that high net worth individuals are either one or the other? Many are totally private, but many of them are what I like to call one uppers, where you know they like to brag, tell stories. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So so even the private ones still like to see press on their property, provided they're not mentioned in it. Right. So so as long as you can keep their anonymity, they love press. And then there's 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 sellers who may want anonymity, but they realize because of the nature of the name. For instance, I'm I'm listing a very famous uh, uh, author's estate shortly. Um, the listing agreement is out, so I'm not going to say who it is no, right no, now. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, yeah. And and when we we've already discussed with the estate, we are going to slam the press with the author's name because that will get us more money for the property. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you this, obviously confidentiality and so forth, you give them the option, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, you know, we can, we, we can uh, of course go a little bit lower profile, but uh, you're gonna get less exposure, which of course will have a direct correlation on perhaps a lower sale price. So what's most important to you? Perhaps a little bit transparency, leveraging, you know, that you own this home, you'll get you more money or would you prefer maybe selling for less and it could take longer? I mean, is that a fair way of talking? Well, I like to turn negatives into positives. So there's a way to turn that less leverage into a positive. So when somebody has a concern about privacy, um, what we can then do is say to them, look, maybe the best thing here is that we do an off-market listing, that we just call up a couple of the top brokers, let them know about this property, no advertising, no Zillow, no Trulia, no nothing. Let's take this, no press, let's take this really quiet and only get a few people in here so we're going to have less traffic. But sometimes you can ask more money for a property when it's not being marketed out to the public because then they have no way of really knowing what market value is if it's not offered to the market, if that makes sense. They can only determine market value by what they're going to guess it to be. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. And so you test that after a while. And if a seller says, hey, uh, you know, Patrick, I'm not getting the results that I want. Uh, what, do, what do you recommend next? And of course, you talk about let's, more exposure, leveraging, you know, marketing. Yeah, let's, 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 let's list it. Let's list it. And if they still want anonymity, no problem. You know, we'll keep this as quiet as possible. Um, and as long as it, you're, it's not in your name and public records, we can get away with it. So you have it in a corporate name that doesn't have your name on it, then that makes it a lot easier for us to continue. If we do put it um, out there in the public sphere, uh, we can still keep your anonymity for you. Right. And now, again, talking with high net worth individuals, um, that are ultra private. I have a property I'm marketing that's twelve and a half million, and the property's on a national, you know, TV show. And you know, he doesn't want his name mentioned anywhere, but but somehow, you know, the word's out there through neighbors and so forth. So even if you don't release that information, Patrick, you know, do you go over with the seller that there still might be an outside probability that somehow their name is linked to the property, although you won't disclose that? Um, you know. That, yeah, yes and no. That can get you into trouble in some respects. So what I would do in a case like that 
is I would sign a confidentiality agreement with them right away to let them know that you are not going to say that their name at all. So right. if it does come out, it doesn't come out by you. And that when you sign that confidentiality agreement, you can't tell anybody, you can't tell another broker who lives there. If another broker says, is this the home that Sean Penn lives in? You have to say, you answer no. You just answer no to all questions. Right. Right. Um, you just um, you just answer no. And um, um, and they say, well, who is it? And they say, I'm not going to tell you. Right. Um, I've signed a confidentiality agreement, and I'd appreciate you not asking me this question right. anymore. Right. Um, and then when that agent wants to show that property, many times, correct me if I'm wrong, you would have them sign a, a confidentiality yeah, yeah. agreement just yeah. in case if it was Sean Penn's in this instance and he's got photos up or whatever and they walk through and they put two and two together and figure out who the owner is, they've signed a confidentiality agreement, correct? Uh, yes, yes. And I also asked them to take their photos down. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, you know, there, there's there's a lot of good nuggets on this uh, this interview. Is there anything else that uh, you feel like uh, you know the, the audience members for the luxury listing podcast might uh, you know might want to take down a little little nugget? Again, you shared with us canceled and expired. You talked about how you both call you use good mailers that are definitely different than your competition, higher quality. You talked about partnering up when you're trying to level up. Uh, you talked about confidentiality and leveraging press, which is great. Um, is there anything else that perhaps uh, you want to add? Or and uh, Yeah, I, I want to add just one other thing, which is the psychological element. So what I've noticed when dealing with luxury clients, there's two things going on with high net worth individuals. Most of them, unless they're in an entertainment field, or they, and even if they've inherited their money, but most of them have made the money themselves, and they are quite smart individuals, and they don't want to be told things. They will ask your advice when they want it, and they will not ask you, and they don't want your advice when they don't want it. So you have to learn that quite often with clients like this, the client thinks they know more about the market than you do. Let them think that, play up to it. That's what their personality type is then agree with them and because otherwise you're not going to have a good relationship and they're not going to stick with you. The other thing about high worth, high net worth individuals is that you can imagine if you have a lot of money, everybody wants something from you. Everybody always wants something. They always want something and you always have these, it's like all these birds pecking at you and you don't want to be another one of those birds pecking at them. You want to gain their trust, which means sometimes you need to say, you know, even though you'd be making a really great commission on something, you need to say, look, this is, this is, I'm, these are the problems with this transaction, and I want you to be wary that these are what my concerns are. I just want to give you that information so you can make a, 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 a choice about it. Um, and they may be market conditions. They may, it could be a million number of things. But um, don't always go for the quick buck with them. Go for the long-term relationship because once you get in a certain circle, they refer all of their friends to you. Mm -hmm. that, that, that you bring up a great point. So, you know, when I speak and train on national stages, I talk about when Robert De Niro 
uh, from Meet the Parents talked about the circle of trust, right? So getting in the circle of trust with the high net worth individuals, it's difficult to break into it, Patrick. But what you're saying is if you do a good job, you under promise and you over deliver and you get the results that you will get referral upon referral if you do those things. Fair to say? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Patrick, what, what's, uh, what's the best way? Um, my real estate site is patricklillyteam.com and the townhousespecialist.com. Um, I, too, speak extensively. You can reach me at patricklilly.com. And then one of the things that um, I do is I have a real estate conference every year for top-producing agents. This year we're going to be in St. Louis at the Four Seasons um, oh, nice. in the end, of, the end of, yeah, really nice. It's a beautiful hotel, and we got a really good room rate. Um, um, and it's just for top – uh, July, uh, uh, let's see, so the, the actual dates are August 1st and August 2nd, but the opening night is the last night in July, so I guess that's July 30, 31st, something like that. Anyway, you can go to realestatesuccess.rocks as opposed to .com, realestatesuccess.rocks, and you can find out more about uh, the conference. Well, that's great. Um, St. Louis is a great city. Obviously, I'm based in the Chicagoland market, and my wife and I take our kids down there. Uh, Big Cub fan, so we, we finally, you know, could brag over the Cardinals. But um, appreciate your time today, Patrick. And, again, that was uh, PatrickLilly.com for speaking. And then um, then Patrick Lilly, what, what was the uh, the other site? Just Patrick, Patrick, Patrick Lilly team team. com for real estate yeah. and uh, realestatesuccess.rocks for the conference. Well, again, I really appreciate t- your time. It's valuable. And, again, uh, thank you for those listeners that stuck around and listened to the Luxury Listing Podcast. Uh, again, next our next episode, keep an eye out. Again, we are going to be interviewing top luxury agents such as Patrick, uh, industry uh, leaders, and service providers that help with lead generation conversion to help you become a luxury listing specialist in your particular market. Again, my name is Michael Lafito, founder of the Luxury Listing Specialist Certification. Thanks again for listening.